Hi, I'm Angie Stebinger, and this is Mindful Missionary, Episode 3, Nothing's Gone Wrong. All missionaries face challenges, lots of challenges. The way you choose to think amid those challenges will determine whether you survive or whether you thrive. This is the podcast where we prepare future missionaries to thrive. Hi, everyone. How's it going? If you're listening to this as part of your assignment for our second class in the Mindful Missionary course, you know that this week we talked about the steps for processing emotions. I hope you've been putting that into practice. I really believe this will be one of the most useful tools for you on your mission because missions have a way of intensifying everything. The highs are really high and the lows can be pretty low. So I encourage you to get as much practice as possible processing emotions while you're still in the comfort of your home. That way, when you're hit with some of the lows on your mission, you'll know just what to do. If you're not enrolled in the course, I'm so glad you're joining us here. You're always welcome, but I hope you'll check it out at mindfulmissionary.com. That's where we really get into the meat of this work. But back to those of you who are enrolled. I hope you're also becoming more aware of when you're either resisting your emotions or buffering from them. So often we try to resist the negative emotions we're feeling, whether it be discouragement, anger, sadness, loneliness, irritation, or resentment. There's so many. But remember what we learned in class. Resisting our emotions only amplifies them. And while buffering may feel like a welcome escape, it's not helpful either because those emotions will continue to resurface until you learn to address them. A much healthier approach is to just allow them and learn to process them so that you can move past them much more quickly. I use this tool for processing emotions all the time. In fact, I had to do some serious processing of shame just this past week. I want to describe that experience for you to give you a better picture of what processing emotions can look like. So I was visiting with some family and there was a conversation going on and I wasn't really even directly involved in it. I was sweeping the floor and just kind of listening in on the conversation But something was said, and without even really thinking, which was obviously my first mistake, I piped in and made a comment totally off the cuff. But as soon as I said it, I could tell that someone was really bothered by it. And I felt really bad, but there was no taking it back. The words had already left my mouth. And then later that evening, I learned that my comment had created a bit of a rift between a few family members, and I felt terrible. Immediately, I could feel all of this shame and regret and embarrassment building up inside of me. Now, it was late at night, so I happened to already be lying in bed. But remember, you don't necessarily need to find somewhere to lie down or even somewhere to be alone to process emotions. You can process emotions as you're driving in a car or walking to your next appointment or as you're showering in the morning or eating a meal. But I lied there in bed and thought to myself, All right, Angie, time to practice what you preach. It looks like it's time to process some negative emotion. So I laid there for a while, and first I tried to name it. 
I decided that I was definitely feeling some regret and some embarrassment, but mostly what I was feeling was shame. So I just said to myself, I feel you shame. I know you're there. And then I tried to really notice where I was feeling that shame in my body. I could feel a little bit of a pit in my stomach and some tightening in my jaw, but mostly I could feel it in my chest. Once I was aware of where I was feeling it, I then tried to describe it. Now, when I teach people to describe their emotions, I sometimes tell them they can imagine they're describing it to a little alien who's not human at all and has never felt any human emotions. And when we do this, sometimes I can even imagine this alien being like, so it feels like some heat in your chest and some tightness and pressure. So is it dangerous somehow? Is it going to burn you? (laughs) Well, no. And then the alien's like, is it going to physically hurt you somehow? Is it going to kill you? No, of course not. So what's the big deal? And when I do this, it reminds me, this is just some shame processing through my body. It's not a big deal. You're going to be just fine. It's only here because of the sentences in your brain to begin with. Because remember, all of our emotions are created by our thoughts. Now, all the while I'm noticing where it is in my body and describing it to myself, I'm also lying there just trying to lean in to those emotions and to relax those areas of my body where I'm feeling it. All of this serves me to get out of my mind and into my body and to give that emotion the attention it wanted. And I was amazed that within just a few minutes, I had, it had almost completely subsided. So much faster than I would have expected based on how awful I had felt and how big of a deal it seemed like this was. It was amazing. Now, once the intensity of that emotion had substantially subsided, then I started to take a look at the thoughts that had created them. I didn't get out of bed to find a pen and paper to run a model or anything. I'm pretty practiced at recognizing my models without even needing to write them down sometimes. But you may need to physically put them down on paper, especially in the beginning as you practice gaining awareness. But I just laid there in bed for a while observing my model, and then I decided to find some much more useful thoughts to go to. Some of the thoughts that I came up with were, this isn't a big deal, Angie. You may need to do some apologizing, but that's okay. It'll all be fine. All of these people love you. I'm sure you can work this out. And then I told myself, you spoke without thinking, but that's just because you're a normal human. It happens to everyone from time to time. No need to beat yourself up over this. All of these thoughts helped me to feel so much better. Instead of feeling shame, I was able to feel some peace. I also felt some patience for myself and some confidence and my ability to work it all out. And that, my friends, is what processing emotions can look like. It sounds so simple, right? But I promise you that it's so opposite to what, you, to what we've been doing our whole lives. And learning to do this will make life so much more enjoyable. So 
One of the ways I believe we can avoid resisting so many negative emotions in our lives is to stop resisting the experiences of our lives. Have you noticed how often our unsupervised brains try to tell us that something isn't right in our lives, that something is terribly wrong and it just shouldn't be? Have you ever worried about something to the point where you've almost made yourself sick with worry? Maybe you've lost sleep over it or even lost your appetite, only to find out later that there was really no need to worry to begin with? That all of that sleep you lost and all of that stress from worrying was all for naught? This recently happened to a friend of mine. He needed to fire someone from a job, and he'd known this was inevitable for several months. For months and months, he worried and stewed over this. He kept imagining how upset this person would be and how it might affect their friendship. He kept imagining this heated argument. He lost sleep over this on several occasions. And when he finally got around to firing the person, do you know what he said? He said, oh my gosh, it went so much better than I expected. He took it so well. (laughs) Such a bummer that he'd spent so much time stressing and worrying and losing sleep over it, right? What if we could practice believing that no matter what circumstances we're facing, nothing's gone wrong, that everything always has a way of working out, and if it hasn't worked out yet, it's not the end of the story. I find this to be one of my most useful thoughts. Everything will work out just as it should. And I find redirecting my brain to this thought when it wants to spin off in all of this worry and stress is really useful. And do you know what? When that's the title of my story, everything will work out just as it should, that's what my brain begins looking for. All of the ways that this could all work together for my good. And even if it's hard to see in any of those ways right away, I just choose to continue believing and I'm able to create some peace for myself. I really like this experience that Jody Moore shares. It's such a great illustration of how we tend to resist our experiences and think that we know what's best for us rather than trusting that Heavenly Father's got it all under control. Jody and her sister took their kids downtown one day to do some shopping, and in their city, there's a big carousel at the shopping mall, and of course, all of their kids wanted to ride. So as they were waiting for their turn, a little girl ahead of them in line threw up all over the floor. They watched as the mess was being cleaned up, thinking, gosh, poor little girl, surely her mother will take her home. She's clearly sick. Instead, They stayed in line, and the mother sent her daughter on the carousel ride. Now, Jody and her sister took careful note of which horse that little girl rode on so that when it was their kid's turn to ride, they could make sure that they didn't ride the horse that they were now sure was infested with the flu bug or some sort of other stomach bug. As the next group of children got on, they watched a brother and a sister race to that very horse. And the little brother was a little bit faster and hopped up on the horse first. And the sister was totally distraught. She cried and cried. Now, Jody and her sister stood there thinking, Girl, believe me, you don't want that horse. Believe me, you're going to come out on top. Isn't this what we all do in our lives sometimes, though? 
What if what we really think we want is really a carousel horse infested with the flu bug, but we have no clue, and so we cry and throw a tantrum? What if the horse we really think we want is covered in pain and heartache, even though it looks like the prettiest horse on the carousel? What if it's covered in ease and self-absorbance and pride and is just plain not the best horse for us, and Heavenly Father knows it, but we really think that we know what's best, so we complain and mope or even get angry with Him? Have you noticed how often our brains want us to believe that things just aren't working out in our favor or that we're getting a raw deal somehow, that life is giving us lemons? At times like these, I like to practice thinking, nothing's gone wrong. This is one of my favorite thoughts to go to. I find it's short and easy, and it reminds me of scriptures like, all things work together for the good to them that love God, and look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. So when one of my children is really hurting because of something a friend has done that seems completely unfair or unkind, I practice thinking, nothing's gone wrong here. This will somehow be for their good. There are valuable lessons they'll learn from this experience. And the same could be said for myself in a similar situation, right? You may want to practice adopting this thought when you and your companion disagree about something. Rather than getting defensive and stubborn, you might want to redirect your brain to thoughts like, nothing's gone wrong here. This doesn't have to be a big deal. This is just what happens when two people are working together. It's possible that having two differing points of view could be a good thing. I'm sure we can figure this out. I find that this thought, nothing's gone wrong, is one of my best go-to thoughts. I want to share one last story with you that I think really illustrates this well. It's an experience that I once heard a woman named Emily Bell Freeman share. She had signed up to be a chaperone for her son's fifth grade field trip, and they were going to a day camp up in the mountains. But when they got there, they found that there were three feet of fresh snow, which they weren't planning on. And the first thing on the agenda was a hike. But some of the kids were really poorly equipped to hike in that snow. Some of them were just wearing tennis shoes rather than good outdoor hiking boots. So they weren't quite sure what they should do. After a few minutes of discussing, they decided to go ahead and hike anyway. So they all headed up the mountains. About 45 minutes into the hike, Emily noticed that the little boy in front of her had lost one of his tennis shoes and his feet were so frozen that he hadn't even noticed. Well, they searched for the shoe for a while, but never found it, so the leaders all gathered together to discuss what they were going to do. And it was decided that since Emily's feet were the nearest in size to the little boys, that she would give up her shoes for him. Now, on their packing list, they'd all been told to pack two of those big black trash bags. So they decided that Emily could wrap her feet in those bags to keep them from getting wet. At first, she was feeling really brave. She was gathering all kinds of courage and strength from remembering the pioneers. (laughs) But after about 10 minutes, 
her feet were just freezing and so painful to walk on. She kept thinking about how she knew they were a good hour or so from the campsite at the base of the mountain. Yet the principal that was leading the group just kept leading them further and further up the mountain, and she was beginning to get more and more concerned about how she'd make it all the way back down. She just kept thinking, what is he thinking? Why does he keep leading us further up this mountain? Doesn't he know the predicament I'm in? Doesn't he care about me and how I'm going to make it out of this? And then after a few more minutes up the mountain, they came to a clearing and she could see the cabins way down the mountain and she was just sort of panicking inside. And then she watched the principal as he pulled out one of his big black plastic bags, climbed inside it and started sliding down the mountain. And she suddenly realized how they were getting back down the mountain and how quickly they'd be back down at the base. And she felt this huge sense of relief. She realized he'd had this plan all along. All along, he'd known the best way to get her back down the mountain. He hadn't forgotten about her. He knew just what he was doing, and his plan was far better than hers. Sometimes it feels like Heavenly Father continues to take us further up the mountain when we really believe that it would be best to be heading back down. What we sometimes forget is that he always has a better plan and that trusting his plan is always in our best interest. So I've found that when I practice believing these two thoughts, nothing's gone wrong and things always have a way of working out. Rather than resisting the experiences I'm facing in my life, I'm far more likely to find peace. And not only does choosing to nurture those thoughts help me create more peace, It also opens me up to all kinds of possibilities that I might have never recognized otherwise. I really believe that learning to redirect our brains in this way and truly trust in the Lord is one of the most important aspects of our learning and growth we're all here to achieve. And your mission will provide so many opportunities to practice this. So file those thoughts at the forefront of your brain. They're sure to come in handy. All right, signing off for today. If you're ready to really learn how to process your emotions in healthy ways and to start experiencing your life at a whole new level, join us in the Mindful Missionary course. Just visit mindfulmissionary.com to enroll today. We'll see you next time, my friends. And as always, watch your thoughts. There's great power in them.